Business and Bucket fans, we are live, episode 33, coming from you here in Arlie, Montana, excuse me, Ronan, Montana, right here in this beautiful mountain range. And hey, we got our first mobile podcast up and running. You know, I had to go through some kinks, get some things going, but I'm telling you, week to week, I'm bringing the content. We got a massive UFC card. We got the trilogy. We got NBA finals. We got NHL action. We got lots to cover. But as you guys know, we always got to start with our sponsor, Fueled Supplements. Health is wealth. Keep your immune system strong, reduce cortisol, and detoxify your body on a cellular level. Relieve chronic joint pain and increase your overall energy and vitality with Fueled Supplements wellness products. Fueled multivitamins and Fueled Greens is the immunity combo your body needs to be to stay at your best. You can always make more money, but you can't always get back your health. So today, save a little cash while you invest in yourself and your future by using my promotion code buckets for 15% off at fueledsupplements.com, the best place on the web for sports and wellness products. Again, people helping people, if you're getting supplements, check out fueledsupplements.com and we'll get you guys some, some savings. But we're gonna dive right in. We got some NFL headlines, not a lot to talk about in the NFL world, uh, but one of the coolest things, I always love me some hard knocks. I love some behind the scenes. We got the Cowboys on Hard Knocks debuting on August 10th. This is their third time on the show. You know, it is the big show, America's team, whatever you want to call it. I'm excited. They have some fun headlines. As an Oklahoma fan, they got C.D. Lamb in his second year. We have Dak Prescott coming back through injury. We have the potentially running back debate with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. If I'm the guy, I love me some Tony Pollard, so Zeke's definitely going to have his work cut out for him. And we also have, obviously, the coaching carousel. We have McCarthy now coaching up the Cowboys, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be tuning in on HBO for Hard Knocks and probably be discussing it like I do the Ultimate Fighter every week. Also, big news, Trevor Lawrence signing his rookie deal for $37 million, and $24 million of that is guaranteed money, money in the bank. We got sunshine. We got Trevor Lawrence out there in South Florida getting the job done. Uh, Josh Gordon filing for reinstatement to return to the NFL. Obviously, marijuana being a big suspension. Now it's becoming legal and not such a big deal. Uh, I'm sure he wants to play some football, and he thinks he's got some football left in him. And then um, outside of the NFL and in football, NCAA has announced that they are allowing athletes to make monetary value on their name, and some guys are really taking advantage of this. I saw a post on LinkedIn of Derek King, the quarterback transfer that's now quarterbacking Miami. He has actually already invested in a bunch of business moves. He's trying to help his team make money. Potential number one overall draft pick Spencer Rattler had signed uh, with a, a food company, chicken company, to be able to get some money coming back. So players are already taking advantage of this. Long time coming. Props to the college kids. Uh, I'm sure all the other older NCAA athletes are, are wishing that they were a part of the, getting a piece of the pie. And then this Saturday, we have the ESPYs, the Sports Award uh, TV show happening this Saturday. So if you're into that, check that out. We'll talk about who wins uh, the big awards next week on the show. Uh, next week on the show, a little preview, I'll actually be working with one of my college friends, Nick Christensen, who is working 
um, for KVGO, the radio station here in Missoula. Uh, we were journalism school majors together. We had a sports college radio show. Uh, so I've always wanted to have another person on the show for you guys. We'll bring him on. We'll give his sports takes. And we'll have that actually happen in a normal schedule. or recording on Tuesday. Have that posted on Wednesday uh, where it's a little later this week. Getting the mobile pod set up 4th of July. My birthday is tomorrow. We got a lot going on, all right? Um, but hey, we're done with the football shit. Let's talk UFC. Got a little Moscow Mule. Cheers to that. We got a lot of fights coming up outside the big card. The UFC has announced Paul Craig versus Alexander Gustafson. This one's going to be a banger. Gustafson going into the heavyweight division. You know, what more does he have left? We'll see. He's kind of in the OSP situation. But I'll be tuning in. Can't wait to check that one out. We also have Diego Fiera back in action. This is his third fight this year. He'll be fighting Grant Dawson. We have Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barboza. What a fun fight this is going to be. Again, Barboza's only been in this class for a couple fights. He's looking stellar. He's going up against a, a young up-and-comer who has lots of praise around the sport. So that one's going to be must-see TV. And then we got Big Mouth. We got Kevin Holland matching up against Kyle Dawkins. That's going to be a blast. Uh, we have Penny Kianzad, who had just fought recently, fighting Raquel Pennington in the women's division. And we also have Amanda Rebos fighting Verna Janaroba. So lots of action happening in the women's division. And we also have Nick Diaz coming back. It's announced that he'll be fighting up against Robbie Lawler. Robbie Ruthless Lawler in the rematch. So uh, we got banger alerts. We got fighters coming back. Lots of action in the UFC world. And probably great news for the fighters. We have the Nevada Athletic Commission has finally announced that they will not be suspending fighters for marijuana abuse, which has been a a big issue. We've had lots of fighters that have had careers tarnished because of this, but now they don't have to worry about it. Nevada's cutting it out. The fights in Vegas are good to go. Smoke all the weed that you need to smoke. And the UFC making bank, right? They got a $175 million deal with Crypto.com to sponsor their outfits and kits for the UFC. They're not supposedly getting any money to the fighters which makes no sense to me uh, but it's a great move for them and that's something that's going to be exciting and then we have andre arlovsky the ex-heavyweight champion fighting young up-and-comer carlos felipe i called it here first when felipe got the fight i said put him up against uh arlovsky good little good little fight for him and for arlovsky to be able to prove his worth in the heavyweight division at the end of his career more fights for you guys lots of shit happening we got Alex Perez stepping in uh, uh, with a new name with Matt Schnell because Askar Askarov, one of the top-ranked flyweights, is pulling out with a broken left hand, so he has to pull out. Matt Schnell's insert in. Schnell had looked good. I had talked praise of him. He had lost his last fight. So nice little rebound option here for Matt Schnell. And not official yet, but Dana White is in the works of talking Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal, I would I assume that if this fight happens, the winner of this will get the championship uh, tilt. So that's going to be a fun one. Lots of bangers going on here. Lots of good fights happening as some of these weight classes are getting shook out. And then in the boxing world, more drama. Tyson Fury, uh, Wilder, no surprise. Um, there was a COVID breakout in Fury's camp, so supposedly they might push that fight out. So there'll just be more drama, more time to stew in the drama that will be happening here for them. But let's talk UFC 264. 
I knew this was a stacked card coming in, but getting into the analysis of the card, we got bangers on the early prelims, we got a stacked prelim card, let alone the main card. So we have lots of action coming up. I'm here in Montana, I don't care. I said, we gotta watch the fights. I'm getting my parlays going, I'm getting my money made, and we're gonna have a lot of fun right after my birthday for UFC. 264 in a sold-out T-Mobile crowd. The fighters are excited. The fans are excited. I wish I was there to be honest with you. But let's start with the fight that's happening in the early prelims. And we got ranked fighters in the early prelims. I'm telling you, this card probably going to be the highest pay-per-view card of the year. Potentially one of the all-time top 10 cards. That's how deep this card is. So if you're thinking about watching it, if you're thinking it's worth the money, it's a great investment. There's going to be lots of action on all different weight classes coming at you. The first fight we got is we got Amari, the Wolverine, Akhmedov, the 33-year-old fighter, sporting a 21-5-1 record. And then uh, we have the uh, he's the 13th ranked fighter. And then we have Ultimate Fighter alum Brad Tavares, the 33-year-old fighter, sporting the 18-7 record. He is the 15th-ranked fighter in this division. So we got two guys right on the outside of the top 15 trying to gain ground. Tavares, again, Ultimate Fighter 11 alum. He fights out of Extreme Couture. And Akhmedov trains out of American Top Team in Florida. He has a combat Sambo style, which is a, a like a Russian wrestling style. So he, he does have a wrestling background as well as Tavares, and both fighters are coming off a win. Tavares has fought once since 2019, though, if you remember on his last fight we were talking about this, due to injuries, uh, so he'd been off the shelf for quite a while. Omari lost his last fight by unanimous division, decision to Chris Weidman, uh, but has beaten the likes of Ian Heinish. Uh, he had a draw versus Marvin Vittori, and those guys are both you know, pretty solid wrestlers as well. Um, but this gives the edge, in my opinion, to Omari as an underdog. I, I like him better on, on their feet. He is gritty. He is physical. I think he's going to get the job done. I don't think we're seeing the best Brad Tavares that w we could potentially see, but I think Omari is going to get the job done here. Moving on, we have uh, a woman. Well, before we move on, I think this is going to be a slugfest, right? This is, I think, the third early prelim. Uh, we didn't talk about the first two, but I think on the fight, the, the, on the feet, this is going to be a fun fight, similar styles. This could be like a fight of the night hella early. I doubt that it's fight of the night because of the names. There's so many big names on this card, but they should, you know, this is worthy of a 50K bonus. Absolutely. And then we got some badass women coming in the early prelims. I was honestly shocked that this was an early prelim. We have Jennifer Maya, 32 years old, rocking the 18-7-1 record. She also rocks a number four next to her name. And she is matching up against Jessica Evil Eye. She's 15-9 and nine and the seventh ranked fighter in the division. Um, both fighters coming off losses, which is tough, but Maya's coming off a loss against the almighty Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet. I mean, not many women have a chance against her, and she fought pretty well. Um, I is coming off losses against Cynthia Cavillo and Joanne Calderwood. So pretty solid uh, opponents in that division as well. But Maya has lost to Chukanagan while I has defeated her via split decision. Granted, this was in 2018, so a few years ago. Uh, both women have been in other promotions. They both come from the Evicta division um, as a flyweight. Maya was a flyweight champion there. And I fought in Bellator and has bounced from bantamweight to flyweight. Uh, she's been in ebbs and flows of her USC career. If I'm to explain evil, Jessica, evil eye for you, I think Dana White's quote that I saw, it probably sums it up the best. Dana says, 
She's got great takedown defense, terrific hands, and she's got that something special about her. She's a fighter, man. She's one of those fighters I thought I talk about who is a pure fighter. When it's go time, she's as tough as there is, and she loves it. And that's totally true. If I could think of a fighting style that's anywhat similar to her, it reminds it would make me think of Tisha Torres, the tiny tornado that comes at you with volume. That's what we're going to see. This is going to be a banger. When we look at Maya's background, she has a black belt in BJJ, and she also has a background in Muay Thai. Uh, Maya's a, a, a black belt in BJJ. She's got the Muay Thai. Aya's more of a striker, like I said, with quick hand speed. But I expect Maya to bully her. She's not going to let her get those big runs coming. And I think that um, she's going to pick her spots and get this victory. I wouldn't be surprised with the knockout in this fight. I don't expect this to go a full fight. But it's going to be a fun one. This one's more 50-50. Evil Eye could get the job done. But hey, I'm putting Maya in my, my um, parlay. Let's get that bread. So, pu so put that one in there. And then we have Trevin Giles. He's 28, rocking a 14-2 record. Versus Drikus Du Still Knox Plesis. He's 27, 15 and 2. What a name that is. Drikus Du, nickname Still Knox Plesis. Wow. Well, both fighters are on a three fight winning streak. Giles is a brown belt in BJJ himself. Plesis is a second degree black belt in kickboxing and is an orthodox fighter. But the most impressive wins, in my opinion, for these fighters is Giles, who had won over the likes of Ryan Spann and James Krause. And I feel like Giles has better, faced better competition, and he has the advantage on the feet. I like him when they're standing, uh, but both fighters are pretty well-rounded and evenly matched. This is going to be another fun one. I'm putting Trevin Giles in the parlay. Book it up. Let's make that money. And then we have this fight. This fight's really interesting. It's funny that he is on the prelims. We got the Wizard. We got Ryan the Wizard Hall, 36 years old, with an 8-1 record, versus Aliyah El Matador Topuria. He's 24, rocking a 10-0 record. He's undefeated. But Hall, I mean, we all know, if you're a UFC or MMA fan, he is a jiu-jitsu wizard and an alum of the Ultimate Fighter. He's a third-degree black belt in BJJ. His accolades in jiu-jitsu are unmatched. He's, got, he's received gold in ADCC in 2008. He's got the golds in Noki competition and pretty much everything else across the board. Um, Hall hasn't fought since 2019, though. Uh, in my mind, I feel like a lot of people are dodging him and don't want that smoke. Nobody wants to deal with the jiu-jitsu wizard, the Damian Mayas of the world, and he's improving his striking, so it makes it even more interesting. But also, his last fight that got booked, he had to pull out because of a hip flexor injury, so it's great to see Ryan Hall back in the octagon. I can't wait to see how improved his striking is, and I can't wait to see this undefeated guy against the jiu-jitsu wizard. So, that's going to be fun. Two of Aaliyah's 10 wins are in the UFC, so even though he is 10-0, it's not like he's been running train in the UFC, but he's getting a tough, uh, tough name in Ryan Hall. I'm taking Ryan Hall, the UFC veteran, the jiu-jitsu wizard. Put it in the parlay. Book it up. And then this might be fight of the night. I mean, this is going to be a fucking fun fight. We got Nico the Hybrid Price, 31 years old with a 14-4 record versus Michelle the Nemolidor Piera, the 27-year-old fighter, rocking a 25-11 record. Price does have a 3-inch reach advantage. He is a brown belt in BJJ. Piera is a black belt in BJJ and a black belt in karate. Uh, but Price is coming off a no contest and loss, while Michelle is on a two-fight win streak. Michelle had an impressive win versus Chaos Williams. I'd actually pick Chaos Williams in that fight. 
uh, because Pierre is the crazy fighter, right? He's doing like cartwheel kicks, he's doing backhand springs, he's doing all this crazy shit. And I didn't think he had the fundamentals, but I was really improved in that fight against Chaos Williams. And I feel like the mix of his craziness, Pierre's craziness, is going to be a little bit too much for Price to handle. On the big stage, in front of the crowd, it's going to be wild. I think we're going to see a highlight knockout in this fight. I'm taking Pierre in this fight. Book it up. Let's get that money. And then we got some vets. We got Carlos the Natural Born Killer Condit, 37 years old, sporting a 13, 32 and 13 record. And he's matching up against Max the Pain Griffin, 35 years old with a 17 and 8 record. Now, Conda is an orthodox fighter coming out of Jackson Week MMA. We all know Jackson Week MMA. He's on a two fight win streak over some vets like Matt Brown, Court McGee. Uh, but before that, he had five losses in a row, and it was murderers, row. I mean, really good fighters. Shoot, let's just pull it up. Let's see what murderers row is. I can't just give you the murderers row and not name the murderers, right? All right. And if you're a UFC fan, you've seen Mr. Condit in the octagon multiple times. He had fought Michael Chiesa. He had fought Alex Oliveira, Neil Magny, Damian Maya, and Ruthless Robbie. Before that, he had a win against Tiago Alves and then lost to Woodley as he started his, uh, his terror up to becoming the middleweight champion. Um, but he's a true vet, right? He came over from the WEC. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun, and he always shows out. That's why he's still in the UFC. Max is a black belt in Kung Fu, uh, Boku Fu, which is Kung Fu, and is a first-degree back belt in kickboxing. He is also on a two-fight win streak. Fighters are pretty even, but I, and Griffin has, hasn't quite faced the same competition, uh, but I like Condit and his experience in this fight. I expect a back-and-forth striking matchup where both guys get beat up. This is going to be a classic just beating the shit out of each other, getting to the judges. Judges are going to have a tough decision. But I'm going to go with Carlos, the natural-born killer. Put him on the parlay. If you know about parlays, most places, five or six fights, doing multiple parlays. I'll probably be doing three, right? I'm all about that action. Top card, main card, maybe a mix in between. And then we have the main card. The Sugar Show's back in action. My guy, Sean Sugar O'Malley, 26 years old, undefeated, technically 13-1, versus Chris Motino, who's 28 years old, rocking a 9-4 record. And he's actually making his UFC debut against Sean Sugar O'Malley. You know, this was a late-notice fight as Luis Smoka got staph in infection and had to pull out two weeks before this fight. Um, there was a bunch of fighters who called out Sean, but Dana and the team gave him five options, right? We saw on Twitter, Brett Okamoto tweeting, you know, there's a long list of fighters that want to fight the Sugar Show, uh, but they, you know, Sean wasn't given that that, all those names. They did agree to Ricky Simone, but he said only at 145 pounds, but Sean said the only way he's fighting 145, if there's no options, he would move up, but he would prefer to stay at 135. So he took a different opponent. Chris Motino is that guy. I had not heard of Chris Motino before this, um, but there is even some conspiracy theories with Sean. He talks about it on his podcast where Smoka's manager actually came and watched him spar. It was like, hey, do you mind? He's like, I don't mind. You can tell your boy whatever. And then he ends up pulling out. So kind of sketchy. Uh, but in the fight, Sean has a five-inch reach advantage. He had won his last fight before that controversial loss to Marlon Cheeto Vera. 
Uh, but Sugar has a kickboxing background, trains out of the MMA lab. He's got a brown belt now, just got, came up from the purple belt in BJJ. And, um, you know, there's not a lot to, to, to see on Mutino. I did watch one of his old fights on uh, YouTube. Wasn't massively impressed, but hey, if you want to make an impression, you get this win, you're right in the UFC, you're damn near right in the rankings, your, your career is taken off. So he knows how big of a moment this is. Again, sold out T-Mobile crowd. We'll see how the, the, the nerves get to the guy. But I'm expecting a spectacular second round knockout. Shuka Sean called it himself. I'm going to go with a head kick in the second round. I'm going to bet money on the second round. Put that in the parlay. That's an easy money bet. And then back to some women's fighting. We have Irene Aldana, 33 years old, rocking the 12-6 and 6 record. She's the number fourth ranked fighter. She's matching up against Jana Kunitsk, who's 31 with a 14-5 and 5 record, and she's the fifth ranked fighter in the division. You know, both of these ladies are vets. They've come from Invicta as well, and they've performed very well of late. Uh, Aldina is coming off a loss, but again versus Shevchenko, the bullet. If you, you know, you hear these ladies are coming off losses, it's it's the Valentina, you know, you, you take that with a grain of salt a little bit. Um, but she hasn't won since December of 2019, where Yana is on a two-fight win streak. She has um, a Taekwondo and Muay Thai background. She trains out of Jackson Week MMA. And there's a reason this card's on the main card, right? This is the reason they're above the Sugar Show. I mean, these women are going to throw down and bring a show like that Condit fight. This could potentially be a fight of the night uh, recipient, a 50K bonus recipient. These girls are about to throw hands, and I cannot wait. But I'm going to take uh, Irene Aldana. I like her experience a little bit better. She's faced a little bit better competition. But this fight is as 50 as 50 as the fight's going to get. And then we move up to some big boys. We got Ty Bam Bam Tuavasa, 28 years old, rocking a 12-3 record. He's matching up against Greg, Prince of War Hardy, the ex-NFLer, 32 years old with a 7-3 record. Hardy has a 4.5-inch reach advantage on him. He is coming off a loss against Marcin Tibera, and six of his seven knockout uh, wins, UFC wins, have come via knockout, where um, Tuavasa is on a two-fight win streak. Ten of his 11 total wins are via knockout. Um... With that being said, this is not going to last more than two rounds, right? This is a for-sure knockout. Put your money on a knockout. This is a pretty 50-50 fight as well. But I think these guys are going to have a little bit of egotistical battle and trying to prove their worth as they're both trying to climb into the rankings. And I think that they're going to want to try to prove who the alpha male is. So I think they come out with some heat, right? I, I, this one might not last two rounds. They're going to come out with some heat. This is a big fight for both fighters. They're trying to get that momentum, get into the rankings. Um, you know, if Tuavasa loses to Greg Hardy, he's going to be set back a lot. He is the younger fighter at 28. And for Greg Hardy, this is another big name. If you take another loss after Tibera, I'm not too sure where his career goes from, from there. So I think he understands how big of a fight is. He's been calling other fighters out in the heavyweight division. He's probably as good as he's going to be. I'm going to take Prince of War just because of the mammoth of a man he is. I know he could take some hits. I know he could dish them. And I think Tuavasa is going to try to get a little sloppy with those wide, big swinging hands because, you know, he's got to get up to Hardy who's taller. He's got a longer reach. And I think Hardy uses that to his advantage. Hopefully his coaches are coaching him up on that. He's working with Rashad Evans. I'd assume he'll be okay. Now we have the co-main event of the evening. And what a fucking fight we are in store for. We got Steven Wonderboy Thompson 
38 years old, 16-4-1. He's the fourth-ranked fighter in the division. Against Gilbert Dorino Burns, 34 years old, the 19-4 record. He is the second-ranked fighter in the division. When we talk about Burns, I mean, he's a second-degree black belt. He's a jiu-jitsu wizard. Uh, he's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist. He's from Brazil. Uh, he has won gold in no-gi jiu-jitsu competitions. He got third in ADCC in 2015, and he has a lot more accolades that we can we can talk about. Um, he's coming off a tough loss against Kamaru Usman, who is you know one of the pound-for-pound -pound best fighters in all of UFC. Um, but he was on a six-fight win streak before that loss in a very stacked division, so you have to give credit where credit is due. And then we have Wonderboy, right? He has two wins in a row after losing to Pettis and Darren Till. He has a fifth-degree black belt in Tetsushin Ryu, a first-degree black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, a black belt in kickboxing, and a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ. He's got all the accolades. His dad was a kickboxing badass. They got their own gym. We all know about Wonder Boy. Uh, but he's a very angular fighter. He's very shifty. He's, he's quick. He comes at you with high kicks, and he, he mixes it up. It's going to be a lot of movement for Dorino to, to, to attack, which is a little bit different than his ex-partner, Usman, who he almost finished. But this one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think Wonderboy does land some shots early, but Burns is very durable. He, we've seen how durable he is, and I think he's going to find a way to get into that range, and he's going to land some body shots. He's going to put him up against the cage, potentially look for the takedown. Wonderboy knows that. Burns knows Wonderboy is going to keep him at distance. Who's going to figure it out, right? Um, either fighter wins this. They're right in the title conversation. I would uh, assume Wonderboy for sure gets the shot. But because Burns just fought Usman, that's debatable. But it was a good enough fight. But regardless, I'm taking El Dorino in this fight. I'm taking Gilbert Burns. This one I went back and forth on, but I'm feeling good about it. Steven Wonderboy has looked good lately, but I don't think he's as good as he was. He is looking sharp. I watched the embeddeds. He's looking sharp there. But I'm going with my guy, Gilbert Burns. I'm putting him in the parlay, so book it up. And then we got the trilogy. We have the main event of the evening, the fight that everyone has wanted to see, and we got the guy, Conor McGregor, the notorious, the probably the biggest star in UFC history. We got Dustin the Diamond Poirier, 32 years old, with a 27-6 and record, the number one next to his name, right? The champion who had given up the championship to fight Conor McGregor. He wanted to get this money, get this fight, make that money, and then go on and fight the champion. That's how confident he was. But he said he was getting like 10x the money for this fight compared to him taking the staying as a uh, champion and fighting uh, to defend the title. And then we have Conor, the notorious McGregor, 32 years old with a 22 and 5 record and a number five next to his name. But the trilogy and perhaps the biggest pay-per-view of the year is here. It is here um, on, on Saturday. We have two days uh, a day from when this will come out. As a fan, I want the diamond to kick Conor McGregor's ass like he did last time. I really do. If anyone does, I do. But after watching everything deeply and really thinking about it, I'm not picking him. I'm not doing it. Uh, even though they're both 32, Conor has 27 professional fights versus Dustin's 34. Since 2018, Dustin has had six fights to Conor's three. Sure, Conor boxed, right? But he didn't really take any serious damage. Uh, Dustin has been in some real battles and taking some damage, including the last Conor fight. He, uh, Conor took no damage in the Cowboy fight or the Eddie Alvarez fight. Dustin's durable. We all know that. 
but you can only take so much hits. He's taken damage in that big war with Dan Hooker. He had a good amount against Khabib, Max Holloway, Gaethje. I mean, look at these names that he's fought. Connor, Khabib, Hooker, Holloway, Gaethje. He's been in some fucking battles, and Connor is always getting protected. He hasn't taken the damage, and I think that's going to be a difference in this fight. I have a feeling Connor's going to land a punch like he did early against Dustin, the one that rocked him, but this time he's going to find a way to get the job done. He knows he can't lose again, and he seems all in on this. He's not the nice guy anymore. He's not barely doing media. He's, he's a real deal Holyfield. He, he left his family out of the fight. He's here, and he just seems locked in, and that's a scary thing. Um, Connor himself, he's a southpaw fighter with a boxing style. He's a brown belt in BJJ, while Dustin fights out of American top team and is a black belt in BJJ. I, I got to go with Connor, though. You know, this one's going to be fun. But I think Connor redeems himself, sadly, and he puts himself in an opportunity to fight for the title and be the glorified fighter that we all knew. Um, and I think he knows how important this is. I don't think he saw this one coming. I think he probably underplayed Dustin a little bit, and Dustin's leveled up, but um, Connor's hands aren't no joke, uh, and I just don't see Dustin being able to avoid them. So that sets the stage. What do we got next? Well, next Saturday is a fun card with Islam Makachev and Tiago Moises. We talked about that fight getting announced. I'm super excited to see the potential of Islam as he moves up the ranks. As we have heard DC talking about he could potentially be better than the one and only Khabib. Um, we have Misha Tate returning on that card. We got Jeremy Stevens on that card. It'll be another UFC Vegas fight. We got it in the Apex UFC fight night. I can't wait. So much happening in the fight world. What a card this is going to be. So we're going to tune in. We'll dissect it next week. I'll be posting the parlay on Twitter. So uh, let's get that action. But hey, the NBA Finals are here. We had almost gone to the Finals on last week's podcast. We were finishing up some of the series. So we're going to dive into these series and talk NBA Finals. Well, in the NBA world, we had covered up to Game 5, Suns Clippers. So that set us up for Game 6. Another game without Kawhi, at home for the Suns. I expected the Suns to finish business. CP3 took over the game. He finished the, the game and took over as I expected. We talked about that on the last episode. I expect him to finish business. He finished with 41-8 and eight on 24 shots. If that man doesn't deserve a championship and hasn't proved his worth to get there, I don't know what else he's got to do. But a 41-banger to close out the Clippers, you can't ask him for much more. Uh, Devin Booker did give a nice game, 22 points, 7 rebounds, but it was on 26 shots, so not the most efficient game, but that was enough. On the Clippers, Morris was the leading scorer of all people. He had 26 points and 9 rebounds, while PG-13 only had 21-9 and nine in an elimination game. You know he's going to get flack for that, pandemic Paul, yada yada, but honestly, I was impressed with the way Paul performed without Kawhi. You know, you can't expect Kawhi to be out of there. He'd put in a lot of minutes. I don't think his, his body was really prepared for that. So I'm not going to talk shit on him. Like I said, he's playoff P in my book. I was impressed. You know, Ty Lue doing more changes. He had Terrence Mann and Patrick Beverly inserted into the starting lineup. And Boogie Cousins ended up finishing with 12 points in 14 minutes off the bench. But they couldn't get enough scoring to get the dub. We had the Suns close out in six. And in the Bucks versus Hawks series... We had actually ended at game five. So in game five last week, Trey Young didn't play. He had the bruised foot. Uh, Giannis didn't play either. I was surprised. I thought both players would play as we're in a tight series. Um, but the Bucks starting lineup had a heyday with them out. 
Uh, Chris Middleton put up 26, 13, and 8. Lopez, a nice 33 and 7. Bobby Portis in the starting lineup, 22 and 8. And Drew Holiday with a 25, 13, and 6. They all had big nights. Atlanta couldn't keep up. Bogdan Bogdanovich was the leading scorer with 28 points. Um, the Bucks take game five, which sets us up for game six. You know, Trey Young comes back. The Greek freak didn't. So I assume Atlanta's going to win and keep the series alive. Um, that's not the case, right? I, I figured Ice Trey would come in and shoot up another 30-point performance. But Drew Holiday said, not in my, not, not in my house. Uh, Middleton put up 32-7. and seven. Holiday had 27-9-9, just short of a triple-double, while D'ing up, um, while D'ing up uh, Trey Young and took over in Giannis's absence. Uh, Young only had 14 points on 17 shots, so tough night in the office. Obviously, his foot was bothering him, but I think a lot of it was the schematics. And then Bogdanovich uh, put up a 20 for the Hawks as well. And Cam Reddish performing well, having fun off the bench with 21 points. But their series is over. Atlanta goes back home. The underdog story comes to an end. So now we're at the stage, the NBA Finals. Everyone wanted Lakers and Nets. The media wanted Lakers and Nets. But you get Bucks and Suns. Obviously, injuries played a role. But I couldn't be happier. I wouldn't mind seeing CP3 or Giannis win a championship. But I got to give it to my guy, CP3. I, I picked the Suns in six. I put a bet on that. Uh, you know, Chris Paul is in his first NBA Finals after all those years. And I think the basketball world's rooting for him. You know, everyone's going crazy. And I, I think he's he's earned that respect. Um, the Suns, uh, Saric had actually suffered a torn ACL um, after Game 1. So he'll be out for the rest of the series. Giannis was doubtful for Game 1. Then he was questionable. He ended up testing out that leg and ended up playing Game 1. So it was good to see Giannis back. Um... But with the Suns being at home, Giannis battling injury, I didn't think they would have a chance. And CP3 would be in killer mode, trying to bring that championship home, trying to give Phoenix a championship, um, even though he's got Drew Holiday on the other end who plays great defense. I like the Suns bench a lot better too. I think they match up a lot better than the Bucks. So again, I went Suns 6. So this game was a fun shootout. It ended up being somewhat close, close towards the end of, of the game as the Suns started getting a nice lead at half. Um, but Middleton finished with 29-7 and seven to lead the Bucks. Giannis in his first game back had 20-17, and 17, and the Suns were led by CP3 with 32-9, and nine, and Booker had 27-6. and six. Um, Cameron Johnson and Campaign, uh, Cameron Payne performed well off the bench. They put 10 up a piece um, to set us up for Game 2 tonight, Thursday night, I don't really know what kind of changes the Bucks could make. I don't think they can make drastic rotational changes or matchup changes that are going to give them the dub. Only thing that can happen is the Greek freak needs to be a freak. He needs to get in killer mode and put up 35 plus and Middleton and Drew have to have great games as well. The Suns are very physical and scrappy. They have the likes of Jay Crowder. You got DeAndre Ayton. Plus they have a bunch of shooters and some players off the bench that are actually performing better as the season goes on a.k.a. credit to Chris Paul. Um, but yeah, we'll be recording uh, next week, so we'll be able to cover Game 2 and Game 3, and that will lead us into um, uh, Game 4 uh, uh, next week when I record with Nick here in Montana. So let's skip it over to MLB. Uh, we have some headlines in the MLB. 
We've heard the drama of Trevor Bauer. The MLB has actually extended his leave, so obviously this seems like a serious deal and will be a brutal loss for the Los Angeles Dodgers championship hopes, even though they have a deep rotation and a deep team. This was a big offseason acquisition, and this is a big issue for them, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. The Tampa Bay Rays actually completed a seven-inning no-hitter, a team no-hitter, not just one starting pitcher, so we got to give them credit for that. Um, the, the Rays always, you know, with the starters, you got the, the rotation always delivering. And then Don Mattingly returning to the Marlins as a manager in 2022, who is the most winningest and longest tenured Mar manager in Marlins franchise history. So he'll be rejoining the team next year. They have a lot of fun young talent. That team is going to be interesting. Uh, Sixto Sanchez is actually announced out a year with the injury, so he'll be coming back with a lot of their young names. Eloy Jimenez is supposedly returning his, uh, to the White Sox sooner than expected. You know, they've battled a lot of injuries as they've lost Robert for most of the year. Grandal just had surgery, and Madrigal's already out for the year. So that'll be a big help for them getting a boost in the outfield. And then we got the home run derby announcement. What a fun bracket this is. We got the angel himself, the, the GOAT the MVP, whatever you want to call him. We got Shohei Otani, the number one seed in the home run derby, facing off against Juan Soto. What a star-powered matchup that is. That's going to be a fucking absolute blast. We got uh, Salvador Perez facing off against Pete Alonso at the bottom half of that bracket. And then on the other side, we got Joey Bats. We got Joey Gallo facing off against the hometown Rocky, Trevor Story. And then we have Matt Olson and Trey Mancini. Can't wait. All-Star Weekend is right around the corner as we finish up this week. Sadly, the Angels go to Seattle. I'm not in Seattle. I love going to all the Angels games, but they'll be back in October. Hopefully, they're relevant. It'll make that game so much sweeter. And then the MLB draft is starting this Sunday. It ends Tuesday, so we'll, we'll see some of the big names where they fit. And uh, if you're a big fan, you can see what your team has coming in store and where they're focusing their farm. And in the standings, not a lot of change since last week's podcast. Uh, the Nationals have climbed up to second in the NL East, which is a little bit of a shocker. Um, they are above the Braves and Phillies now in that very tough division. And the Giants are still holding a narrow lead over the Dodgers. They have a one-game lead and four and a half over the Padres in that NL West division. And then in last weekend's matchup, the Phillies beat the Padres 2-1 in a big series. The Phillies trying to stay relevant in that very good division. The Dodgers got a four-game sweep of the Nationals, which is crazy to think that the Nationals are still second in the NL East. Um, the Mets beat the Yankees 2-1, little New York battle. Toronto beat the Rays 2-1 in the big AL East battle. And then the Reds swept the, the Cubs, and the Astros four games swept the Indians while the Red Sox take down the A's 2-1. So that sets the stage for this weekend's matchups. We got Cardinals battling the Cubs in another divisional rivalry. This is a big series as both teams are trying to catch the Brew Crew. The Phillies and the Red Sox battle in a little AL-NL battle. The AL's been kicking that ass, so let's go Sox. We got Blue Jays Rays in the AL East, another fun divisional battle as these two guys are trying to stay relevant in the division. We have Astros Yankees, two powerhouse offenses, Cubs versus Reds in the NL, uh, Red Sox versus Athletics. Lots of fun action coming at you this week in this weekend series. But that's all we got to talk about baseball. We're finishing up here with the NHL. 
you know, no, no shock. We all, we, I think we all were shooting for the Tampa Bay Lightning to, to repeat once uh, they were able to eliminate some of the opponents. You know, the underdog Montreal Canadiens, they've, they've done their due, but I just did not expect them to deliver. We talked about, about game one that Tampa Bay won last week. Well, game two, Tampa Bay is keeping that momentum rolling. Even though they're outshot pretty drastically, 43-23. to 23. But Andre Vesvisky dominates. He's got 42 saves. And it looks like Tampa at this point is going to go back-to-back -back and bring another championship to Tampa. After the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the, the NFL championship, they won the Super Bowl last year, championships all around. So game three, Nikita Kucherov scored his eighth playoff goal as Tampa Bay blew out Montreal 6-3. That set us up for game four, a sweep imminent in the Stanley Cup Finals. You do not typically see that. Montreal wasn't letting it happen. Uh, Montreal finally stole the game in overtime, even though they were outshot 34-21. to um, They only had one power play opportunity to Tampa's five as well. But Josh Anderson really took over this game. Uh, he had his fourth and fifth playoff goals to stay alive. And then game five, I mean, Montreal, you got to give them credit. They scrapped. It was a very physical game to avoid elimination. But Ross Colton scored his fourth playoff goal in the second period to hoist the Stanley Cup and bring another championship to Tampa. It is what it is. We got a back-to-back -back champion, and they have a squad. The NHL redraft happening later this month. It'll be interesting to see what players they lose. But that core is pretty beef beastly, and it'll be interesting to see how, how next year plays out. That's it for this week's podcast. We got UFC 264. We got the NBA championship. The Stanley Cup's already over, but it's going to be fun. Next week, I'll be in the KGVO studio with my buddy Nick. I'll have somebody else, and we'll just be able to bounce and talk and, and be more free for them because uh, you guys don't have to listen to me talk the whole time. Uh, but that's episode 33. Don't forget to check out Fueled Supplements. Use promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products. We'll see you guys next week.